Welcome to Audio Drama Showcase, part of the StoryForge Network. I'm Scooter Ma'am, and with me is Diana Rains. Present. Maggie Allen. Hi! Michelle Morrison. Hello. And a Baskin full of Max. Well, at least I'm not empty. Don't forget to check us out over at Patreon under Legend Smith Productions. This show is brought to you thanks to the support of our wonderful patrons. Today, we'll be listening to Gay Future, which premiered in 2018 and was created by Connor Wright, Christina Friel, and Ben Lapidus. This show came into being when Connor and Christina, who met at college, realized that they had a very little chance of writing for TV, so turned their attention to the audio world. With their longtime friend, Ben, handling the sound design, they toiled away for nearly two years until they were satisfied and ready to put their creation out into the world. This is their premiere episode, Gay Academy, which was originally published in July of 2018. And now, a word from our sponsor. This episode was brought to you by Glitter Be Gone. Finally, you too can be 100% glitter-free. Okay, let's get started. In the summer of 2017, Margaret and Philip Patterson found an old box in the attic of their home in Bloomington, Indiana. The box contained a certain manuscript, which upon further inspection was dated back to the summer of 2003 and written by a then-Indiana congressman and current vice president of the United States, Mike Pence. What you are about to hear is a fully recorded adaptation of said manuscript. Please note that what follows is not only an assault on the entire young adult genre of dystopian fiction, but a disgrace to the very concept of words. None of the themes expressed in the book are shared by the publisher, which include but are not limited to twink villages, BDSM leather police, gay bars at the core of the earth, evil lisp, and Reuben Stuttered. You have been warned, and please, don't sue us. The year is 2062 and everyone is gay. The oppressive gay agenda rules over what's left of North America. The rest of the world submerged in water, not due to global warming, but because of other stuff. The remaining population turned homosexual through genetic modification of food, chemtrails, and realistic depictions of same-sex couples on premium cable. A rebel band of heteros is growing in the East, and our young hero is about to learn the powerful straightness that grows inside him. Welcome to the world of Gay Future. Chapter 1. Gay Academy. Mikey stood on the porch of St. Ray Jepson's home for wayward children. The orphanage had been his only home for the past 15 years, but now, along with his fellow orphan Deb, Mikey was forced to say goodbye to the old leaky place. Like all children gifted enough to earn acceptance into the prestigious Gay Academy, Mikey was now off to the bustling metropolis to learn to become a functioning homo of his queer society. Uh, hey, Deb. How's it going? Hey. Mikey, right? Mikey is right. Uh, so freaking right. Um, I, I know you're heading off to lesbian school and I'm going to Gay Academy, but I, I was thinking... I don't know, maybe you could sign my orphanage yearbook? Or maybe you could turn around, walk over there, and never talk to me again? Thanks. Oh, 
Sure, yeah. I'm kidding. I'm oh. kidding. Oh my god, I'm, I'm totally kidding. Uh, of course I'll sign it. <laughs> like, I didn't know you were so funny, though. That's wow, crazy. it's all blank. Yeah, no, I just haven't asked any of the other kids yet. Um, totally not, because they all hate me. <laughs> hey, Mikey, where are your parents? Dead, Jason. Like all of our parents. That's how orphans work. Wait a second. Were you the kid they always threw trash on? I didn't recognize you without all the... The trash on my face, yeah. <laughs> no one does. This place sucked. I totally feel you, though. The other girls thought I was such a freak. But no way. Like, you're so cool, you know? And, like, mysterious. <laughs> oh, my God. Stop it. Yes! Like, remember that night you were, you were taking that strange phone call behind the orphanage? And I, I was all like, hey, Deb, mind helping me out of this dumpster I was shoved into? And you pulled me out and you pushed me against a wall and said, if I told anyone you were here, you would slip my wrist and stage it as a suicide. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was just kidding again. <laughs> uh, yes. No, I was like shitting my fans, but also like, this is very funny. <laughs> uh oh. Orphanage comedian over here. <laughs> oh. Uh, I was scared for my life. Mikey, you're sweet. So I'm going to give you some advice. Gay Academy, it's pretty ruthless. Just keep your head down, study up. Maybe you'll come out of it in one piece. And hey, maybe you'll even find a husband along the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love husbands. They're, they're great. And I know you're not as experienced as the other kids. Jason told you that. But if anyone asks you how to, like, suck a dick, just pretend like you know what you're talking about. Instant cred. Totally, yeah. And, like, how would someone do that if they didn't know previously how to suck a dick? Um, just like a hypothetical. Oh, there's my bus. Oh. <laughs> Off to lesbian school for me. Oh. Here, I signed it. Oh, it. It just says, everything you know is a lie. Is that like hags? Bye, Mikey. Oh, bye, Deb. Forever. Gay Academy. A place to learn, a place to grow, a place to be gay. Hello there, I am President Clay of the United Gay Agenda. When I built this school with my bare hands 11 presidential terms ago, I'd have never thought it would become the wellspring of queer identity and vision it is today. Just hear from some of our top students. At Gay Academy, we're offered a wealth of classes, including history of sequins and advanced riffing. Whoa! At Gay Academy, I earned a degree in breeding teacup Pomeranians. That means I don't have to spend the rest of my life in the work camps, like my brothers. At Gay Academy, you'll experience a beautifully historic campus built on the war-torn wasteland of the ancient queer rebellion. Ma, look at all my sweet, sweet boys. Now, here's a word from our esteemed principal, Dr. Augustus Slut. Welcome, freshmen. You have each been selected as the most gifted young mind. Here you will learn how to create a brighter, gayer future for us all. After all, gay is just another word for happy. <laughs> in the pristine marble hallway, Mikey gazed in wonder at the dazzling hologram, welcoming the new students into Gay Academy. Ow, guys, can you not? <laughs> Get in the locker, you stupid twink! Hey, excuse me, that's my locker that you're stuffing that quote-unquote twink into? Oh, wow! A twink! I didn't realize this was a locker and that this was a twink! I must be freaking blind as a freaking bat! <laughs> Wait, you're blind too? 
Same. You're picking on a blind kid? But that's not cool. <laughs> you should know. You're not cool. You're <laughs> non-blind. He's a twank, making him primary target for the mask. That's right. right, boys? Oh, yeah. That's right. This twink's everything we hate. He's small. He's effeminate. He's dexterous. He's hot. Hot? I mean, small. You already said small. No, I didn't. Oh, who even are you, man? Just some virgin who's never sucked a dick. Hey, I suck like so many dicks. Oh, yeah? Then what's it like? It's, it's like hard. So hard. It's like the densest diamond. What? And then it melts in your mouth into soup. It's very clear to me that you have never sucked a dick. Then it explodes and all your teeth fall out. And then a larger, older version of you walks in, pats you on the head and says, you're sucking a dick. Yes, you are. Kisses you on the forehead and then does all your chores. So yeah, I've sucked several. You're a freak. And you're now an enemy of Chad and the masks. I'm Chad. These are my masks. Let's go, boys. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you okay? I'm Mikey, by the way. Tristan, wow. Where'd you learn how to suck dick like that? Oh, uh, I died for three seconds as a baby in the fire that killed my parents, and that's what I saw. Cool. For orientation, students crowded into the grand ballroom as Mikey's new friend introduced him to the rigid cliques and social castes of the school. So over there are the jocks, and twinks are over there, otters on your right, and bears on your left. There's also wolves, pups, starfish, ringtail lemurs. I thought you couldn't see anything. Oh, honey, I can't. Can't smell either, or taste, or feel anything. I'm a one sensor. But man, can I hear... A one sensor? Yeah, my four identical siblings were each born with one sense. Like, Bert could only sniff things, and Missy had eyes like a hawk. She could dance, too. We spent our times with linked arms so we could act as one functioning person. Those were the days. What happened to them? They fell down a hill. Quiet! Quiet down, everyone. Suddenly, as if he materialized, a large man stood at the stage podium. He was a dour-looking fellow with swollen muscles and a permanently red face. Look! It's Principal Slut. He's wearing the mesh tank top, just like in the hologram. Wow. Did not know principals could wear mesh. Top or bottom. These are the two houses of Gay Academy. Your house will decide your friends, your classes, your job, even how you have sex. Each year will culminate in the House Cup. Tops are reigning champs since the first year we opened our doors. (laughs) Oh, quiet, quiet, I... (laughs) Quiet. We will now commence the sorting ceremony. An ancient man emerged on stage in a hover wheelchair, his skin transparent, melting off his body like years of plastic surgery rotting in slow motion. That's Grand Sorter John Travolta. They say he's the only one that can sense true top and bottom energy. Starting with the first row, please step forward. Tristan was up first and took the chair at the center of the stage as Grand Sorter John Travolta waved his hand toward him. Bottom. Could have told you that. Bottom. Tristan, what if I'm sorted into top and then we can't hang out together? Just think like a bottom. Maybe that'll help. Soon it was Mikey's turn, and like those before him, he took the seat. Okay, uh, yeah, I'm a bottom. I'm a bottom, uh, I'm a bottom, and I like big honking dongs right up my keister. What? What am I saying? The Grand Sorter placed his hand out to Mikey and opened his mouth. But neither the words top nor bottom left him. Oh no, 
This cannot be. <coughs> Get away from him. <coughs> what did you do? Nothing. I, I was just thinking about my keister. Why do I keep saying keister? Suddenly, the Grand Sorter's eyes went white. He levitated from the wheelchair, wind swirling around his saggy body, and spoke as if he was possessed by an ancient spirit. The prophecy is set in motion. The lost sun has been found. The sun does not penetrate any man. The sun to lead the rebellion and end the gay agenda once and for all. Save yourselves. Uh... Where are my bottoms at, right? But Mikey saw it in Principal Slut's eyes. He was neither top nor bottom, but instead something much darker and much more powerful. After the momentous sorting ceremony, Mikey found himself the most talked about student in the entire school cafeteria. Hey, Mikey. Hi. Oh, uh, wait, have we met? I just wanted to say that was super cool what you did back there. <laughs> Killing John Travolta. Oh. So cool. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to sit over with us gay elites, you're formally invited. I brought all of Tabanon. So. Oh, uh, thank you so much. But actually, I think I'm going to eat with my boy Tristan here. But hey, maybe tomorrow. Um, yeah, <laughs> okay. More Otapi for my Tom. Where am I? Tristan. Did you see that? No. This must be what it feels like to have more than zero friends. Down the line, one of the lunch ladies was staring directly at Mikey. But as he approached, Mikey realized that it wasn't the lunch lady at all. Deb? What are you doing dressed as a greasy old bitch? I don't have much time. You're in grave danger. I need you to meet me later. Do you want a side of brown slop? Yeah, of course. But wait, what? Like, you, you want to hang out with me? Can you still wear the hairnet? Sure, whatever. Look, eighth period, abandoned football field, your life depends on it. Wait, what? <clears throat> hey, hey, Polly, you kid get into that charter school yet? Ah, <laughs> no, what the good trade school? Deb, I don't understand. Why are you dressed as a lunch lady and why are you fully integrated into their workplace culture? All will be explained in time. And that's my smoke break. I <laughs> just can't quit. Later, Toots. Deb, Deb! There she goes. On again. Oh, don't worry, Mikey. Lunch ladies always come back. Lunch is every day. That's the beauty of it. Plus, there are no hills here. I think. At eighth period, Mikey snuck out of his algebra with glitter class to rendezvous with Deb. But as Mikey made his way down the hallway, he ran into a familiar enemy. Well, well, well. If it isn't Mr. Soup Dick McGillicuddy, where's your little blind friend? Still shaking with fear from when I almost fucked him this morning. <laughs> you wanted to fuck him? Up. As in fuck him up. No, you said... Where are you even going? Yeah, are you gonna go finally sell your virginity on the internet? Or are you too stupid even know what that is? I was actually oh, off no. to go blow a guy right now. Oh, yeah? Where? Uh, the masks know all the dick-sucking spots on campus, don't we, boys? Sure, yeah, yeah. this slide's favorite. The abandoned football field. You know it? The old stadium line school. Thing hasn't been used in decades. Hmm. I guess you don't know every dick-sucking spot, then. So if you'll excuse me, I'm about to get a big, hot, heaping bowl of soup. And I ain't talking. Junkie Campbell's. Not so fast. What are you boys doing out of class? Principal Slut! We were just coming to find you. We found these uh, zip-off cargo pants in Mikey's locker. Those aren't mine! They planted them there! Silence. You know the rules about straight paraphernalia on campus. Mikey, 
We need to have a word. <laughs> Principal Slut's fingers wrapped on his restoration hardware desk, gazing into Mikey's panicked pupils. Only ten more minutes left in eighth period, and Deb was not one to wait around. Cutting class, making enemies, and now pants with more than four pockets. You've made quite a name for yourself on your first day, Morky. Look, if, if this is about killing the Grand Sorter, I... Ah, you did us all a favor. Travolta looked like a tar pit by the end. Listen, I understand days can be tough for new students like yourself. No friends, no boyfriends, parents that perished in a mysterious fire. I'm sure you'll still hear your father's screams today, their carcasses fusing around your infant body, shielding you from the flames. Which is why I'm letting you off with a warning. Wait... Really? <laughs> I, I guess I'll just be going then. However, uh, in all my time at Gay Academy, <laughs> I have never seen a student sorted into neither top nor bottom. Tell me, Mikey, have you heard of Camp Little Sailors? Camp Little Sailors? Wait, isn't that like a straight conversion camp? We like to think of it as a redirection camp. A blissful week of forced male touching, nightly porn marathons, and shock therapy usually does wonder for our deviants. I spent some time there as a child myself. Look at me now. Draped in mesh? <gasps> yep. The bus for Camp Little Sailors leaves in ten minutes. After a week, you may return to continue your studies. I'll walk you there myself. Ow! Stop! Why are your fingers so strong? Oh, Morky. <sighs> I'm excited to see the shiny, glittery, jazzy new you. As the bus barreled down the road on its way to Camp Little Sailors, Mikey again found himself alone. Or so he thought. Tristan? Why are you on this bus? Bus? I thought this was bio. This is so not bio. Listen, okay, you need to start a distraction while I take over the driver's seat. Oh my god, my siblings and I used to love distractions. That was until the hill. Watch this. Help, Mr. Bus Driver. This kid here is trying to hijack the bus. Dude! Hey! Don't make me come back there! Now this is the part where you use your enhanced sight to burn a hole in that floor with your eyes. What? I can't do that! Well, you better think of something quick, because he's stopping the bus. Okay. When I say pull, you pull on this lever, okay? Hey, you little shits. What are you guys yapping about? Uh... We, uh, we were talking about how you lacked the motivation as an artist, and that's why your life ended up this way. Hey! I have a BFA that proves that I got talent. Pull! In a swift motion, Tristan pulled open the emergency exit door as Mikey jolted for the steering wheel. He slammed on the gas, causing the driver to tumble out the back. Wow. He's probably going to lose his job after this. Hey, Tristan, we make a surprisingly good team, don't we? Mm, you're no Bert. Or Missy. Or even Chauncey. <laughs> but sure. So where are we going? To meet the one person who knows what the fuck is going on. Just as Chad said, the abandoned football field was located in an overgrown area behind the school. Wow. This place is overgrown. Is this not bio either? 
I'm really late for bio. Well, well, well. Look who it is. Serious? Oh no. Where's my wallet? Oh yeah, it's in the rightmost Velcro butt pocket. Cargo free! Chad, what are you doing here? Me and the boys couldn't resist scoping out a new BJ spot. Don't let us interrupt you two. We'll just be right over here. Yeah, right over here. You should go see it, Doctor. We can't do it when anyone's watching, cause uh you know, Tristan gets really shy. <laughs> yeah, right. Bullshit! I knew you didn't know how to do it. Yeah. Something's not right with you, Mikey. I'm beginning to think you're strange. <gasps> now get on your knees and suck on Tristan's dick. Or else I'm going to have to suck it for you. Uh, wait, wait. wait, that's the alternative? Yeah. Wait, yeah. Wait. Chad. Do you just want to suck Tristan's dick? Everyone shut up! I've had enough of your talk, Mikey. Now get ready, and get ready to suck on Tristan's dick. Or else we're going to scramble your face so hard you'll forever be the friendless loser of Gay Academy. A wave of recognition washed over Mikey as a silhouetted figure pounded Chad and the masks unconscious into the ground before him. Deb? We don't have much time. I need to get you out of the city. No, I- I'm tired of you always running off. I want answers this time, My okay? name's not Deb. It's Agent Deb. I'm a sleeper spy for the straight resistance. I've been watching you, Mikey. All those years at the orphanage, I knew there was something special about you. When I heard you killed the Grand Sorter, I realized why. Mikey, you're the lost son, the straightest boy in the world, the one to lead the rebellion and defeat the gay agenda once and for all. The prophecy is true. Deb, I was just about to suck a dick. Any second an older version of me is going to walk in. Drop it, Mikey. We both know you're attracted to women. We do? We have you surrounded. (gasps) Step back from the boy. Principal slut. Can you tell my bio teacher I'm running late? They found us! Mikey, I need you to look deep in yourself. Harness your straightness. Don't listen to a word she says. Come with me, and I'll give you the life you always wanted. A picket fence, a loving husband in a linen shirt, a quiet life with a membership to an off-Broadway theater. Deb, I'm not straight. I'm sorry, I I can't be. Grab the girl! (laughs) Hey! You said you wouldn't hurt her! I literally never said that. It's okay, Mikey. Soon this will all be over, and it will all feel like some strange, bi-curious dream. Let her go! I said stop! I said... Do stop! Whoa. You guys okay? Mikey, did you just crash that helicopter with your mouth? The straight voice. I've only heard of it in lore. Mikey, how fast can that bus go? I don't know. Maybe six? What? What's happening to me? What if I told you there was a whole city of men who like women? And women who like men. A whole city of people like you. People like us? Grab your weird little friend, hop in the bus, and I'll take you. After all, you're going to have to come out someday. So ask yourself, is today the day? At the center of gay metropolis rose the towering spires of Gay Palace. 
In the tallest spire, in the tallest window, sat the grand throne room of President Clay. Mr. President, we found these two at the crime scene. Forgive me, President. My, my, my. Principal Slut. I haven't seen those baby blues at any of my recent dinner parties. And who's this little tiny glass of Buddha? My name is Chad, Mr. President. I saw everything. The boy. He's more powerful than I imagined. He... He's the lost son. Oh, dear. <laughs> my... My mint julep. I tried to send him to Camp Little Sailors, but he got away. Left with a straight-resistant spy. So you're telling me you had the boy, the lost son, and you sent him away instead of bringing him to me? I, I didn't know he had the voice. You've read the prophecy, slut. You know the one who kills the Grand Sorter is the one to kill little old me. This isn't law anymore, it's reality! I'm sorry, my dear, but looks like you're not gonna get tenure this year. Guards, empty his throat. No, 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 please. please. Now, this other little cutie patoot, please join me for a little key lime pie. Excuse the males. Please, sir, I will do anything you ask me. Anything. Just don't kill me. Hmm, twirling my little goatee. Thinking. Well, if this boy truly has the voice, it's gonna take more than an army to capture him. How about we make a deal? You help me find him, and you can join me on my little throne up here. Sit on my lap and drink hot milk. After all, I've been single for so darn long. Really? I, I would be honored, Mr. President. Please, boy. No need for such formalities. Call me by my name. My full name. Clay... Aiken. Was that funny? Are we laughing because it's a joke? Hey, this is Connor. Hey, it's Christina. Hey, this is Ben. We're the creators of, of Gay, Gay Future, Future, the thing you just listened to. Guys, yeah, you thank did. you so much for listening. Yeah, Truly, means, thank you. It means thank so you. much. Uh, we really didn't think anybody would listen to it, and you just listening to it, that one person, proved us wrong. Yeah. We made this in a bedroom, and the fact that it's playing in your ears right now is Science. A small miracle. A small miracle. It's, it sci- is, it's science. It's true science. So, guys, please leave a review. Maybe five stars. Subscribe and follow us on the social media. We are at Gay Future Pod on Instagram and Twitter and everywhere else you can stalk somebody. Uh, we release a new episode every other Thursday, uh, so stay tuned for that bi-weekly release. Um, <laughs> love you guys. Thank you. We love you we love so you. much. We, we love you guys. I'm obsessed we, with and you. And outside. Connor was just talking about how... <laughs> I was just oh talking god, about no, you. Like, oh my god, he was. Yeah, I was no, just, and I was just saying, you are so cute. Yeah. Um, yeah wow. Connor. 
I'm they're going to ask you. They're going to ask you. I'm crushing on the listeners. Oh my gosh. I'm bad. No, Connor, don't say that. I'm. I think they like you. What? (laughs) Bye, guys. See you next week. Original music and sound by Lapidus Audio. Visit lapidusaudio.com for more. Wow. Yeah. Hard to know where to jump in on that one. That's that's fair. How about those dance tunes? Those were awesome. I, I really, I really liked the music. Uh, not just the intro-outro music, but the incidental music. All of that was really good. It conveyed a really good sense of retro-futurism. I agree. I, well, by the fact that I started dancing pretty much every time they started playing music. Like, uncontrollably. That's... A good sign. But it still had a real 80s neon feel to it. It also very much had the clubby beat. You can imagine people grinding on each other to it feel, which given what sort of future they were trying to envision felt really appropriate. Yeah, that's fair. All right. So let's let's talk about what you guys are thinking on your head. What did you think about the story? I felt like the story was pretty flat. Honestly, I did not feel many highs and lows as I was listening to it, and for a 26-minute episode to feel that long, oof. I feel like the pacing could be a lot stronger. I feel like some people mentioned the fact that it felt a lot longer than it actually was. And it was also not very linear. It felt like it kind of jumped all over the place. It also didn't feel like it did a good job of putting an emphasis on the most important events in it. Like, the death of the Sorter was something that kept getting returned to as, oh, this is a huge deal, look what this says about him. But when it happened, it was just kind of like, oh yeah, that happened. On goes the story. And for all that he was, like, you know, the child of prophecy type archetype, they seemed really content to just let him be and kind of send him to that conversion camp versus taking some sort of immediate action like arresting him and forcibly taking him to the conversion camp. Yeah, I mean, if you murder someone, usually you don't just get ignored for a little while. I mean, usually. You would hope not. That's fair. If you were seen to murder someone. Well, it wasn't so much that he murdered him. It's just, you know, his being there instigated the guy's death. So, like, if you carry a cat up to someone with deadly cat allergies and they fall over dead, like, again, people are probably going to react more quickly to that. As opposed to just telling you, hey, we have a bus that you need to get onto later that's going to take you to jail or the equivalent. But, like, feel free, free to say goodbye to your friends first. Yeah, just please, like, the bus leaves at five. Just don't be late. It felt like a very by-the-numbers kind of chosen one story. And maybe that's what they were going for, but it just kind of gave me... Harry Potter vibes. I think that was a bit of the weakness. Like they were going for the frame story of this was written by Mike Pence and Mike Pence is a terrible writer. But the unfortunate result of that was that they were showing off terrible writing. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of parody of Harry Potter in there. I mean, outside of the sorting hat and the way that the school was structured and the houses. So as somebody who is a connoisseur of particularly bad fan fiction and things, there is a level of bad you can reach where it's unintentionally funny and there's like actual funny. For here, like if they were if they were trying to go for like a so bad it's good kind of thing, like it just kind of felt flat and not really like they were trying that hard. So basically like they didn't go far enough. Yeah. And I think Diana had brought something up about the entire this was written by Mike Pence thing that didn't really fit. 
Yeah, I felt like I had a lot of issues with that as a frame story. It felt like they really wanted to rely on that where it was funny to like, oh, yeah, straight conversion camp because Mike Pence is known for his support of gay conversion camps. While at other times it would sort of include this story would sort of include things that were very much not Mike what Mike Pence would. Like a lot of conservative Christians were making a big stink over the Harry Potter books because of the use of magic. Now it's parodying Harry Potter in an everyone loves Harry Potter, you'll want to read about Harry Potter way. Or similarly, the giving the president a Southern accent and even having them go into this big fiery Southern preacher mode during some of the speeches. That's very much a liberal person's stereotype of what a Southern accent is associated with. Although when it was revealed that it was supposed to be Clay Aiken, that made a little more sense given that he is from North Carolina. So you you mentioned the straight conversion camp, but if the story was actually, if we were meant to believe that Mike Pence had written it, why would he... They sort of paint it as like, oh, it's this place that you don't want to go. But since Mike Pence really likes, supports conversion camps, then you would think it'd be like, oh, yeah, it's a happy place you can go. It'll be great. I think this is one of those times where going further might be something that works in their favor. I almost wanted to have them break the fourth wall almost all the time. Honestly, if they want to make it clear that they trust their audience to get these references, why not put that trust in them even more and have a little bit more of that reach out with some of the show? Yeah, I agree. I would have liked to have seen it be a little bit more kind of like wink, wink, nod, nod, I guess, is what I'm thinking about. Um, I still can't get over the fact of how hypersexualized this high school is. And I understand that that's a gay stereotype that that fits in with the idea of what they're trying to go for. But man, they just kept hammering it in there. (laughs) Phrasing? They kept talking about it so frequently. (laughs) That's it. It got to the point where I just wanted to be like, okay, I, I get, I see what you're saying. It's too much. Like it's, it's too much without being so far that it's back to funny again. Well, there are some aspects of high school in our modern world that are like hypersexualized and really weird if you actually look at them. And if they wanted to make a point about that, like, I feel like they could have done it with clever writing. Well, and They hypersexualized things, but also in a way that was still very normative to the society that we live in. Like when his friend early on says some like, oh, you're going off to that school. Maybe you can even find a husband. I was sort of like, in the gay future, are we not having poly people become a dominant thing? Like you'd think that that would be the natural sort of we're breaking all of the norms in ways Mike Pence would be uncomfortable with. But instead, it's still like, no, clearly what you're going to want out of your gay high school experience is a monogamous, loving relationship and marriage. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, there's there was a there's a lot of directions that got really kind of awkward. And uh, going back to the it's supposed to be written by someone who can't really write. So we're going to make it sound intentionally bad. That being said, the two big reveals, the I'm not Deb. My name's not Deb. It's Agent Deb. And call me by my full name, Clay Aiken. They were just, they were really bad. There should have been more punch to it. Yeah. What is Agent Deb supposed to be a reference to? I don't get that. It isn't. She was just an agent for the straight underground. Oh, okay. So it should not should have been something more like, my name's not Deb. It's really Sally. And I'm an agent for the straight underground. Yeah, that would have made more sense. I Agent Deb, for some reason, I was thinking like Agent Orange and my brain just went to completely incorrect places, evidently. 
this also actually reminds me of something that a professor in a directing class mentioned, which is that if you're doing comedy, it's oftentimes a lot more funny to play it incredibly sincerely from the actors than to to have them overacting. And I feel like, especially if you have a script like this, that's pretty relevant. That reminds me of what I thought partway through the beginning of the episode where I almost couldn't tell which character was which because they were all playing up the character voice that they had so much that I just I couldn't tell them apart. When you have so many roles that try to stand out and play to a character sound, they get lost within each other. Yeah, it's true. I mean, several of the voices I had a really hard time distinguishing. The cadence was very similar. They all went for a very similar, or not all of them, but there was maybe two or three vocal patterns that they stuck to that got very into a pattern where I was just having a hard time distinguishing. That being said, I thought a lot of the specific voice work was pretty good for some of the characters. I'm actually really like the hearing character, I guess, everything but. And that concept of five siblings where each only has one sense, I thought was really kind of fun. Well, and that was really clever how they then during the bus scene had the like, this is where you use your eyesight to make a hole in the bus. Like that was sort of a good continuity moment. Yeah, I thought it was really clever. And the way that Deb switched between normal Deb voice and uh, kind of New Yorker lunchroom worker voice was pretty smooth. Oh yeah, that was super smooth. And I, you could tell it was the same actor, but it was very, it was a very spy moment where it felt very natural in both cases. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of like the idea that even in a post-apocalyptic future, lunch ladies are still around. Also the, not just the incidental music, but the actual sound effects in the background were pretty immersive. The only thing that was really taking me out of it was the story, which is unfortunate, but everything else I really think that they were kind of hitting out of the park. Well, you know, one thing I need to bring up, if this was recorded in a bedroom, I do not know how they got the audio, the audio quality that they have here, because I would expect that I'd hear a lot more echo. I'd hear a lot more like background noise or any kind of carryover from another object. I mean, like either they figured out some kind of magic for making like a little mini studio in their room or their audio engineer is interstellar. I mean... That's the only things I can think of there because, or both. Or the bedrooms in a basement. Or the bedrooms in a basement or some kind of isolated bedroom. Still, like, that that came off with a, almost all of this came off with a very solid professional sound for the recording, at least. And the effects and stuff, and the transition. Somebody was also mentioning earlier that the transitions are really solid between scenes. Yeah, it was Michelle. All right, Max, let's hear your individual thoughts. Uh, Really, I I think we covered about all of it. They were going for a very specific thing. They were trying to satire a situation because clearly they are not supporters of Mike Pence's ideologies. And while I think that that message came across pretty clearly, I think as far as the actual story goes, it was choppy and it didn't carry very well. I think a lot of the other stuff that they did was excellent, especially, as you mentioned, given the limitations of doing everything in a bedroom. Diana? I feel like they had a lot of really good individual jokes in this, and I'm not sure that putting them all together into a 26-minute long thing actually worked entirely well. Like, I feel like you could take a lot of two-sentence quotes from this and people would find them hilarious. But unfortunately, the total was less than the sum of its parts. Maggie? Uh... On the technical side, I thought that things were pretty good. Uh, Voice acting was kind of hit or miss for me. 
really, it was just kind of the story. I couldn't tell whether I was supposed to be kind of insulted or laughing. It was just kind of confused. And at the end of it, like whatever message that they might have had, if there was a message at all, I feel like was just kind of lost. Michelle? I think what I'd like to see from this show is having them think about sustainability. So for your voice actors, as well as for your writers, making sure that the plot will hold up across multiple episodes so that it is not just a list of jokes. Um, and also making sure that your voice actors are doing voices that they can do over a long period of time. I was really worried that the uh, person playing Mikey was going to not have a voice the next day uh, after some of those lines, just because it sounded like he was pushing his vocal range a bit too much uh, to get certain effects across. And just making sure that that's something that can be sustained over multiple episodes over however long the production lasts. There is one other thing going back to what Diana just mentioned. There was that one line that I think all of us just burst out laughing on the I literally never said that. That was that that was beautiful. And I, I wish that had been sustainable throughout the entire thing. Yeah, I think all five of us lost it at that moment because I, I didn't see it coming and it just hit hit like a train. And that also goes back to what Diana was saying about playing it very sincerely, because that's the sort of line that you're not delivering in a haha, I'm joking way. It's I literally never said that. Playing that as the straight man huh? um, oh. worked really well. Couldn't resist, could you? I couldn't. No, not really. This episode was brought to you by... Nothing but maggots! This clever play on words is meant to deceive you into thinking there's nuts. Incorrect! How do we keep them alive, you ask? Trust me, you don't want to know! Nothing but maggots. Truth in advertising. From the makers of Honeyworms! That was Gay Academy, from the show Gay Future. To find out more, go to www.gayfuturepodcast.com. This was Audio Drama Showcase. For more episodes and information, go to www.legendsmithproductions.com. Don't forget to check out our other shows, Anansi Storytime, The Fairy Tale Audio Drama, and Geek Core Radio, the eccentric music podcast. Thanks for listening. High five. We made it. Literally. Literally.